0: Hello, welcome to Sustainable-ish and the third in this special mini-series with Organic UK to celebrate and promote all things organic for Organic September. If you missed the first two episodes, we talked about the plight of the bumblebee with Emma and David from Buckley's Bees, and then took a deep dive into what exactly organic means with Guy Singh Watson from Riverford, Harriet O'Wegan from Organic UK, and Lee Holdstock from the Soil Association. And in this episode, we're talking about sustainable eating. What that means what it means for us, for the planet, for livestock. And we've got another fabulous panel for you. I'm super excited to be joined by Melissa Hemsley, the self-taught cook, (laughs) can't even say it, and author of a stack of amazing cookbooks, including her latest, Eat Green, which is based on the 15 most commonly thrown away foods. I'm also joined by Ben White from Coombe Farm Organic, which is an organic farm in Somerset with slow-growing native breeds who produce award-winning meat, as well as Tim Fields, who is Head of Sustainability at Dalesford, one of the most sustainable farms in the UK. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Really exciting to have you here. And another little kind of panel one. Everybody at home won't be able to see you, but I can see you, so that's really nice. If we start off by introducing everybody and I'm just going to go around in the screen in the order I can see everyone so Ben can you tell us a little bit about you and what it is that you guys do?
1: Hi yes my name is Ben White I'm the founder of Coombe Farm Organic we're an organic farm based in Somerset and the animals that we rear here um, we sell via our website they are slaughtered locally butchered on site here um, and we also work with some other fantastic partner farms locally and throughout the UK to bring the best of organic produce to consumers all over the UK.
0: And what sort of livestock do you have?
1: So specifically here, we were originally a dairy farm. um, And so we have dairy cross beef and the beef animals come from that herd. We have organic sheep here, which we obviously have organic lamb and then our organic pigs on site. So we work with another guy who helps us with our organic chickens. And we work with Roger Saul from Sharpen Park, who has a deer park on site. And so he provides us oh, wow. organic venison. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. And why, when you, were, when you were setting up or in the way that you farm, why is organic <coughs> important to you? Why do you think it's well, the
1: way forward? I came to the farm in 2015 to set up Coombe Farm Organic, which is the, I guess you would call it the retail arm of Coombe Farm. And the farm here itself has been here farming since the 1940s. Uh, But in 1998, they made the decision to go down the organic route. So they first got full organic status at Coombe Farm in 1999. Mm -hmm. And I can talk about why it's important to the Trust and Coombe Farm. um, And that's obviously, you know, uh, uh, one thing. But Mm -hmm. from my end and from Coombe Farm Organic, we see kind of sustainable eating and sustainable food and sustainable farming as you know taking a really considered approach to the way that you farm and the way that you eat and putting back into the soil what you have taken out mm. so it's kind of treat, treating the land like a bank I suppose and um, you know we know we're not going to be custodians of it forever and when we hand it back we'd like to hand it back in the same nick as we got it and we think organic farming is the way to do that.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting because that really, it is the theme that's kind of come through these, this little mini series of podcasts is, which actually ties in really nicely with the um, Organic UK's sort of nature has the answer thing. And and it is that, it's that, you know, this very much more holistic approach, this fact that we're sort of custodians of the land and, and since, since the war, this more sort of um, intensive, more conventional farming, I guess, is, has been quite i can't think of the word but it's you know sort of stripped the land of a lot of its resources and actually it's we're realizing the importance of kind of putting all that back in again so um
1: what's what's really interesting about that though jen and when you talk and we will go over many things i'm sure in the next 45 minutes but when you look at um you know rearing your animals to organic standards and looking after your land to organic standards and processing your ingredients to organic standards what you end up with by doing all of those things right and by taking care of the soil you actually end up with food in my and many opinions maybe many people's opinion that tastes better Mm -hmm. and so you know primarily when we're talking about eating which I know is something we're going to focus on in this which is my favorite subject (laughs) actually like the the whole point of it is to eat really good food that tastes fantastic and that you enjoy and you enjoy cooking and you enjoy yes eating with people and and I think that by doing it responsibly and sustainably in this way actually you end up with a better eating experience too Mm. so it's not just Looking after the soil at the expense of every other nice experience that you might have—it's actually doing it and then enjoying what you get out of the other end.
0: It's a win-win-win-win-win-win-win-win-win. Win-win, 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 win. <laughs>
1: Indeed,
2: yeah.
0: Um, Tim, can you introduce yourself and tell us about Dalesford?
2: Hello, my name is Tim Field, uh, head of sustainability at Dalesford. Uh, Dalesford organic uh, farm shops are in London and in the Cotswolds, um, and on online. But it all started with Carol Bamford um, forty odd years ago. Her, her farm in Staffordshire and um, here in Gloucestershire started going organic. She recognised the importance of looking after the soil way back when, and understanding that uh, we couldn't carry on pushing our land as hard as it would go to produce as much food as possible without considering its consequences on on the bees, and on uh, other wildlife, um, and on its nutrition as well. So that's that's when Delta started. I joined 13 and a half years ago to try and steer the whole business in a more sustainable direction and push the boundaries really. Uh, and I also look after the Delta Foundation with a, a headline project called Agroecology, oh, wow. which promotes um, agroecological farming, which of course, uh, organic is um, perhaps the best and, and most wide-known uh, example of agroecology. Uh, so yeah, that's me.
0: So um, is agroecology different? I was, I was trying to ask Tim at Yovelly uh, about all these different terms like regenerative <laughs> farming and, and, and agroforestry as well. That's something different, is it?
2: Yes. Yeah, so it uh, depends on which part of the world you come from, I think. Um, regenerative is more of an American word, okay. Australian. Um, agroecology is more European, uh, perhaps more Asian. Um, but they're all, uh, in essence, methods of sustainable farming Mm. the difference that organic has is that it's got that really robust legal framework if you like saying it's black and white it's either organic or it's not yeah set in law and we're audited so whilst on the one hand organic is a a philosophy on the other hand it's a it's a standard that's audited and you can trust it Mm. Um, and so i suppose that's why i'm a big supporter of organic because you know you can say anything's natural or anything sustainable Uh, without being tested Uh, Mm. whereas we're you know we've been organic for a long time and and we still get the auditors coming around and uh, you know we we make sure that we are always improving but we're tested against that by by this robust framework
0: yeah and a question and i didn't ask you ben but i think you kind of answered but sustainability sustainable eating will mean different things to different people what does it mean to you tim
2: to me, sustainable eating is really about eating food um, as nature intended. I'm an ecologist by background, by the way, um, by, by learning and so on. And I understand that the soil is a very complex uh, environment with lots and lots of organisms complementing each other. Um, mm-hmm. And our gut biome we're now increasingly understanding has lots of complexity around it. Eating and, and the food we eat isn't simply calories. There's so much more complexity in all the little micronutrients and so on. Um, And the consequences of producing that food has lots of consequences on on the environment around it. So uh, if you do things with nature, you're more likely to get it right for yourselves and Mm -hmm. it will be healthier, um, and it will be healthier for the planet than uh, if, if you use a lot of artificial inputs, pesticides, fertilizers, and you force against nature. That is going to have consequences on the soil biology, the soil health, but also your own gut biology. I believe mm. um, if you're using all sorts of biocides in the production of that food.
0: Brilliant, thank you, Melissa. How about you? Do you want to introduce yourself to everybody uh, who doesn't already know you?
3: Hello, everybody who's listening. Uh, I'm Melissa. I'm a self-taught chef. I've been in the game for about all. Oh, that sounds I've... bad, Melissa. Don't... <laughs> I've been in the... on the game. That's <laughs> in the game is fine. I've I've been in the food and, well, we've all been eating since day dot, but I've been in the the cooking for others as well as myself game uh, for about 11 years. And I've just been holding my breath for the last five minutes as him was talking so beautifully because my um, Riverford veg box just arrived. Hey, uh, I could just hear it and I could just feel the tension in the house. Will my dog bark or not? And upset. (laughs) That fantastic uh, speech that didn't just go. And, and, and some of my absolute favorite brands, including you guys. Ben, of course, knows that I am a, a big coom, uh, um Fan, and I've been to visit Dalesford and been given a tour several times and have done lots with them, and I love their refill programme. I'm also an ambassador for the Felix Project, and Dalesford do so much for the Felix Project, including sponsoring electric vans, which I had the pleasure of being a co-pilot driver. I can't drive last just last week, delivering to homeless shelters in North London. So, you know, one of the other things that I love about it is I believe, and I know we all do that, everybody deserves good food. I also really love the organic food community i love that we all share knowledge i love that things like this happen which um reminds me you know as we plan to do something like this to keep furthering my own knowledge because the more i learn and hear the real life stories the more i can pass it on to people through recipes Mm. and that's my main thing is inspiring people to today lunchtime clear out you know maybe go through the fridge make a fridge raid for tartar to really care about their food and the people behind their food so that they don't want to waste or that there's no reason not to waste and see a broccoli stalk as being just as important as the broccoli florets etc etc something that you're all over Jen Uh, (laughs) but you know I can help I think help people care more about their food when they understand the effort that's gone into it, the yeah. modern, the traditional aspects, the modern day pull and push. And that's what I try and do is be a spokesperson for other people who are so busy on the fields they don't have time to have an Instagram account. So I can do that for them and support them in that way. But just as we're talking, I'm just looking at this pebble that I've got that says nature on it. And I just wanted to say, cause I think the guys have just said everything so beautifully and they're the real experts. But on a, on a mental health level, I wanted to say that I actually sort of, I went on a grief group therapy retreat. Retreat is in not really relaxing, very hard work, working on grief. Uh, the catalyst was my father's death five years previously. I, this is, this podcast is not about death, but it is so interesting because a lot of the things that are natural in life, we don't talk about. Mm. So I went on this retreat, it was in Somerset and they asked us what we wanted more of of in our lives. And it wasn't just about grief, it is finding what makes you happy. And Mm -hmm. I picked nature and that is why I just wanted to flag it because I think one of the silver linings of the last six months are that we are hearing that people are wasting less, that Mm -hmm. people are spending more time thinking about shopping, that people really, really, really are thinking about the respect that they give to farmers, delivery Mm. drivers, uh, shelf stackers, all the people that go towards the state of our plate and really understanding that. And we are thinking even more about food for health, food for mental health mm. um, and food for kids and just food for ourselves and and why we all deserve to have a, what I call a laptop free lunch. And, and all <laughs> that ties back into, well, where does your food come from? So that's my very long ramble, but I just wanted to bring in the mental health aspect yes. as well because Ben mentioned that you have a better eating experience. And I agree. I feel that I'm Life is a bit more meaningful when you know that you're shopping and voting for a better yes. world for everyone. And I think that's the important thing. We're all here. We're all privileged. It's for everyone, isn't it?
1: Mm, yeah. We're seeing so much of that through uh, customer interaction at the moment. You know, what what was a potentially a little bit niche and a group of customers who had made their mind up um, mm. and that was the direction they were going in and power to them. They were our customers and we love it. We are seeing such a broader... Spectrum of customers finding us, uh, having read something different, having heard a podcast, having taken the time in the last six months to kind of reevaluate what they're up to and what they're doing and what's important to them. And it is really, really refreshing to have, yeah, okay, the, the pandemic has been great for Coombe Farm organic, organic in terms of sales. But what is really, really important to me and what I am taking out of it really positively is that we're dealing with such a broader spectrum of people when we're talking about organic and sustainable mm. food.
0: That's great to hear, Ben. That's brilliant. <clears throat> I think the stats are that food waste has gone down by about 30% during lockdown, because I think maybe for the first time, a lot of people were... You know, we take food for granted, don't we? We take cheap food for granted as well, cheap, very plentiful food for granted. And suddenly the supermarkets didn't have everything that we wanted or needed. Suddenly we were we were only supposed to be shopping once a week. And I think people suddenly saw a lot more value in, in their food and in the food that was in their fridges and were making sure they were really sort of making good use of it. You know, here's hoping that a lot of those those habits and that maybe slowing down a little around our food and stuff really does stick. But in terms of organic, Ben, this is probably one for you. Animal welfare is high on a lot of people's agendas when they think about mm-hmm. eating sustainably. I feel a bit mean saying, how does it compare to on organic farms to congen- conventional farms? Because, you know, I generally think all farmers do love their livestock and, and want to do their yeah. best for them. But what are the main differences that we might see in terms of animal welfare on an organic
1: farms? Well, Tim touched on it earlier when we were talking about the standards that you're audited against. Mm-hmm. So I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, in kind of preparation for talking with you today, uh, by no means do I want to dig out a conventional farmer, because I'm certain that people that are in the business of farming and in the life of farming are doing it because of their love of it. Mm. And nobody gets out of bed in the morning to do a bad or to be <laughs> a main yeah. person. But when you have standards that you have to adhere to and that you're audited against, you know, what you do today and what you say you do today, you have to do tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about the standards that would, you know, improve animal welfare, I guess it's about allowing animals to exhibit their natural behavior. You know, ducks having access to water, mm-hmm. that, that's an organic standard. Oh, wow. so there's, there's no going around yeah. that, that, you know, whereas a conventional duck may live a life in a barn. Okay. So that you know that doesn't yeah. mean that the organic, the, the conventional duck has had a disgusting and terrible and you know kicked around like a football life. But what it means is that if an animal being allowed to exhibit its natural behaviour yeah. is something that's important to you, which it is to me because it makes for a happier animal. And when you have a happier animal, generally you have a healthier animal. Then having a standard to that effect is a really, really important part of of farming, in my opinion, mm. and. You know, there are pigs being able to root and wallow outdoors, or people could say, well, that's a free-range pig. Well, in an organic system, that's every day of the year. Right. In a free-range system, that's for a proportion of the animal's life, and that proportion of their life can be undefined. So I guess what I'm saying is, if you want to go to a shop or a restaurant or uh, order online, and you're looking for something you can trust and Tim again touched on this earlier then you need to look for a standard that you know is audited against Mm -hmm. and that people are applying themselves to every day day in day out week week in week out year in year out and then you know you can trust it there are thousands I'm certain of fantastic farmers all over the UK that are doing wonderful things that give their ducks access to water or give their pigs access Mm -hmm. to the outdoors but There is nothing to say that what they do today they have to do tomorrow unless they're
2: living to a standard that they're being audited against. If I was to be really selfish and not worry about the welfare of the animal, and whether it is happy or not, as uh, I doubt there are that many people out there that don't care about animal welfare, but hypothetically so. In terms of true sustainability and being able to feed ourselves in the future, welfare has a hugely important role to play because uh, a happier... Uh, roaming chicken that has got outdoor space and the the stimulus to go out and peck under a bit of shelter some trees um, or a pig rooting around outside and more space so as we know social distancing is a, is a, is a buzzword at the moment um, social distancing in the animal kingdom means that they're less likely to get sick and pass it on to one another mm-hmm. therefore we're using less uh, antibiotics uh, to treat bacterial infections or we're using Less um, anthelmintic drugs, which uh, treat parasites. And that's only a good thing because these parasites and these bacteria and so on are actually getting resistance to some of these mm. tools that we have in our own medicine cabinets, as well as animal welfare medicine cabinets. So as they get resistance to it, we're going to run out of the very tools yeah. that keep us out of hospital. So um, in terms of sustainability of mankind, I think it's very important that we look after animals to stop them getting ill as a preventative measure to stop them getting ill as well as for our own compassion that we should you know strive to have
0: yeah and I'm not sure who is best to answer this but I think one of the so what are the rules and regulations around use of antibiotics use of um, worming preparations things because some people I have heard the argument before that welfare on organic farms will be lower because they don't use worming and things regularly enough so can you just talk to us a little bit about that
1: I'm sure we've got a really, really similar opinion on it. And from my end, I'll echo what Tim says and then I'll let Tim go ahead because he is a much more of an authority on the subject. But, you know, the premise that organic farmers would not medicate their animals is completely untrue. Mm-hmm. It's just we avoid preventative or routine medicines that are just unnecessary. And by having standards that allow animals to live a much more natural and much, with much greater space and, and uh, allow them to be happier animals, you require fewer antibiotics. And then when you do need them, you can do so in consultation with your organic certification body, like the Soil Association. You can do it in, uh, you know, in collaboration with your vet. And then you have a longer withdrawal period. Right. So the likelihood of the product of that animal, so the milk, for example, from a, a dairy cow, then going into the system, the, there is a longer withdrawal Period before that cow can go back or can be milked for produce that would go into the food chain.
0: So there's less chance of medicine residues, I guess, ending up in
1: the food chain. And 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 as organic farmers, what we're doing is we're spending every day looking at our animals and Mm. and looking at the welfare of animals and looking at the condition of our animals, and then saying, look, there may be a problem there. Let's deal with that problem as opposed to you know completely wholesale med you know medicating routinely animals that have got <laughs> no requirement for medicine um, and then perhaps not actually paying attention to their well-being because we've got that covered. So how, how, how
0: routinely is that is that done in conventional farming and, and like just because I can't imagine even though I used to be a vet I was never a large animal vet so I, I, and I probably didn't pay masses amounts of attention in large animal <laughs> lectures um, what are the scenarios where conventional farming they would just be routinely um, sort of doling out antibiotics to a whole herd or flock or sort of preventatively? Go for it, Tim. No pressure. <laughs> so I would say
2: that there's no straight, straightforward answer. No straightforward answer to that in that um, the thing is with organic and non-organic farming, you, we, can't, we can't say that one non-organic farmer is the same as another yes. non-organic farmer. Indeed, there are some extremely good non-organic farmers out there um, who would be using very little uh, antibiotics, the difference being, of course, they're not being audited to say whether they're organic. Yeah. But uh, yes, you can. You know, routine use and, and frequent use is, you know, in some systems of the so-called mega dairies or the battery chickens and so on is much more frequent than if you've got an extensive dairy mm. farm in the southwest of pasture-based system for, for milking. But um, so I, I'm not going to answer that directly. But I, I'll just say, in organic systems, the necessity to uh, maintain high welfare. And create high animal health and high health status um, to prevent those antibiotics is actually pushing some of the innovation in the industry as well. Uh, we see that on agroecology and we 've got some examples here on the farm where we 've tried different things, something called sandfoin which fixes nitrogen, creates great soil fertility oh, yeah. um, and is uh, putting carbon in the soil all the time, good at sequestering carbon from the atmosphere but uh, also, it has wonderful anthelmintic properties, so natural, the, the, uh, the tannins and so on inside that plant are actually uh, preventing the establishment of worms inside the, oh, yeah. in, in, inside the um, livestock that are eating it. And things like chicory, uh, plantain, and all these other herbs that are now being increasingly mixed in with the, the grass lays to build fertility, but also to reduce the um, burden of parasites. It's one example how organic systems sort of have used and uh, looked back at how things were done before the widespread use of these um, drugs and uh, are reinventing them, but also um, using the modern science to really push the boundaries so that we can uh, have a healthier food with less antibiotics and uh, healthy livestock as well.
0: I think the 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 other point that I was sort of occurring to me as I was... Uh, sort of asking that question and listening to you guys answer is that tim from Ye valley said that the average dairy herd here in the uk is something like 170 cows it's not huge and um my understanding my limited understanding of farming systems in places like america and stuff is that they will have these kind of mega herds and and that uh, routine use of medications and things is is much more widespread over there and and we kind of start to tip into sort of brexit territory and food standards and all those kinds of things don't we but uh, but in in general i you know i think welfare on british farms is is pretty good I would say, as my unprofessional opinion, but um, yeah, I, I agree but with
1: you. I would say we're world leaders in, mm. in 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 farming standards across the board. To be perfectly honest, um, yeah. But we can always do better.
0: Yeah, and 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 as you say, that organic certification gives you that that transparency, that reassurance that there's, there's sort of checks and measures and things going on behind the scenes. Now, this is potentially another slightly unfair question. They won't all be unfair questions, I promise you. Is it healthier for humans to eat an organic diet? <laughs> Melissa, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that.
3: I feel like Tim, I'm gonna nominate Tim for that one. <laughs> I I would say, not being an expert in my field or a nutritionist, I would say I'm gonna bring in the holistic answer again. Mm. I think healthier, tip to toe, caring more about your food, knowing where it comes from and understanding the effect it has on your body in terms of the pleasure of it all the sourcing the preparing the eating Mm -hmm. the whole mindful experience again buzzwords we were just laughing about distancing being a buzzword all of these words mean actually so much and the older i get the more i realize (laughs) it so i would say for me um my overall well-being is improved by understanding where my food comes from i like that
0: one very good
1: If we're going to delve into the kind of scientific ream of it, there was a study in the British Journal of Nutrition, I don't know, maybe three years ago, something like that, four years ago. I think it was a study conducted at Newcastle University, which showed, I'm talking specifically now about cows, but particularly within milk and meat, I believe organic animals produce around 50% more of the kind of beneficial omega-3 fatty acids mm-hmm. compared to conventional equivalents. Yeah. So um, I'm certain that there'll be instances where that can be argued and, you know, as the same, as with all scientific evidence, yes. there's two sides of looking at it, but it can't be fluke that something like that would come up when you think about the effort that's going into rearing those animals in, a, in such a natural and untampered with system and um and I, I think what's great about the kind of organic standards is that as a commercial business that you're allowed to or that you're given that framework to work in and so you can still create and you can still produce um produce <laughs> produce produce mm. um that that is healthier but in a commercial right system. It's,
0: yeah
1: yes it's the answer it is healthier yeah I'm certain of it brilliant
2: yeah I just second what Ben said. It was um, yeah, Carlo Life at, at Newcastle. I think they did a meta analysis of over four hundred papers to get some robust, conclusive answers. They also did uh, fruit and vegetable as well and and found you know high levels of phytochemicals which are, are good for us and the uh, various vitamins and minerals we need, but also importantly it 's less the bad things as well. Mm. Um, you know the use of pesticide in fruit and vegetable production is uh, we have the, the Dirty Dozen and the Clean Fifteen for a reason, because there's, there's residues on there which uh, are known to have consequences um, in the cocktail effect of them, um, and the science is, is constantly being questioned as to whether they're uh, safe or not. Ultimately, it's better to avoid mm-hmm. it if you can. But I think it's important as well that we don't um, lose sight of some of the bigger issues that the nation's facing uh, with obesity and access to food as well, because. Um, it can be a very daunting prospect to to suddenly go organic on everything.
0: Yes, and yeah.
2: uh, and I think um, you go organic where you can mm-hmm. as often as you can. But you know, I haven't got my vegetables in the garden growing certified organic, and I'm pretty secure in that they're not using any sub-based yeah. or, um, or or glyphosate weed killer. Uh, so you know, if you can got access to um, base, you know, grow organically. But also, uh, it's that balanced diet that was so important as well to, mm. to, um, to make sure that we stave off uh, uh, obesity and, um, and type 2 diabetes and so on. So whilst it's, it's really important to try and eat organically, and if you can't, choose the Clean 15, if, uh, not the Dirty Dozen, if anyone um, doesn't link to, to it, those. Google I'll it. link to
0: those in the show notes. <laughs> so people know what they are, um, yeah. Uh, to,
2: and that will hopefully help you transition. That's, those are the things which... Uh, have less pesticide residues and Carlo Life at work as well revealed the, the lower levels of heavy metals in, in produce as well from uh, organic sources so th- there's lots of reasons to think you know going organic you're going to be eating more of the good stuff more of those omega-3 fatty acids phytochemicals and, and nutrition our body needs and less uh, of the uh, the bad stuff the pesticide residues and heavy metals, and tried to link it to sort of uh, percentages and I think uh, the nutrient density of the food is greater but therefore you're not if, if you were to get five a day um five a day in organic terms is the equivalent to seven a day in conventional non-organic Ooh, terms. Oh that makes
0: me feel better.
1: <laughs> Great stuff yeah
2: I'll use that I'm gonna yeah. write that
1: down. <laughs>
0: I won't tell my kids though. <laughs> yeah Melissa, one of the things that I find when we start to talk to people about sort of sustainable living in general is, you know, it's quite overwhelming because there's so many different things to think about. And already just today, when we're talking about sustainable eating, we've talked about organic, we've talked about animal welfare, we've talked about local, you know, then there's seasonal, then there's, you know, trying to avoid packaging, then there's food waste. Have you got some tips for people who are just sort of starting to think, OK, so maybe I ought to start looking a little bit at my diet in terms of my impact on the planet? Where, what are some good places for people to start? Oh, that's a good question.
3: It's a very broad question. <laughs> and I know that you're very good yourself at answering this. You are at the beginning of your journey. It's the most exciting place to be because you've got so many ways that you can get on board. Mm. And I think like any great new exciting habit, you know, it is the the, the word here is sustain it. So pick things that yes. you enjoy feeling good about making the change for, make it infectious in the household in a good way by making it something that everyone can get on board with. So I think food waste is a great place to start Mm. because I grew up with an army dad and a Filipino Catholic mom who didn't have any money growing up. And in in some ways I love them so much, but to not waste food was considered the greatest sin. And I was so scared of not making it to heaven. And it became a very big deal at mealtimes. To the point where in a way you rebel a little bit and, you know, as you grow up. So mm. I try really hard when I'm talking to not make it sound like we're angels if we don't waste food yes. and, or, or point the finger if you do, because it's just not realistic. So I think one great way of looking at it, we all like to save money and have more money mm. to think about, you know, like let's challenge ourselves in my household or any cooking classes I do or workshops with kids look in the bin, see what's ending up in the bin, obviously encouraging people to see if they're council or if they can get themselves a compost bin too. Mm -hmm. So then they've got two bins to look at really um, and see what's in it and what uh, imaginative ways can we uh, make that smaller the next time. So I would always really feel that, the best way to engage people is is get their digestive juices going so i think to myself you know if a cauliflower turns up in your veg box or in your online order at your local shop you've picked it up look at the whole veg and think what great meals can come out of that cauliflower you know the cauliflower leaves let's say because that's the bits that tend to get thrown away can that be roasted and used you know as a scoop for your hummus because everybody oh, loves wow. it as an example, or your guacamole, or your yeah. tea guacamole, or can you stir, can you chop it up very small and stir fry it? Because I feel that lots of us have some sort of delicious, gingery, garlicky, stir fry, noodly dish every week. So it's about envisaging it as a dish. So rather than think, oh, that's a cauliflower leaf, I must use it up or I'm a bad person. No, what can that cauliflower leaf bring to the table? And I just think a great way to do it, and, and anyway, uh, especially if you're the person that ends up doing the shopping and the washing up and the cooking, yeah. <laughs> is get people involved in a meal plan so let everybody in the household vote on mm-hmm. their two favorite dishes a week let's say you know you can do meat-free mondays you can do taco tuesday you can do fridge raid frittata yeah yeah Friday. yeah wednesday i always recommend doing a crowd-pleasing dinner because wednesday tends to be a bit of a low point during the week <laughs> weekend feels ages away maybe people are getting bored of you trying to Shove veg at them. Yes. On Wednesday make it a familiar favorite, and just start thinking how you can introduce veg. Maybe mm. one in the family could be on veg watch. You know, you could add up how much veg you get to eat that week, how much you've not wasted. I don't. I don't have kids. We do this in my household, and we're thirty-five. We, we <laughs> like old cars. Use the money saved for something that you really want to yes. do, or buy better quality. Mm. That's what I always um, try and suggest if people are worried, as many of us are, about money. Think about what money you perhaps are throwing away yes. in any given month and think how better that would be to support a better food system for everybody if we spent our money that way. I also really recommend in your fridge to put a, a piece of, uh, you know, an old stick up a, an old piece of paper and write, eat me first. Yes. For a section where everybody knows that's the, that's the yogurt pot or the milk to use 1st My last book, Eat Green, was based on the 13 most bought and thrown away ingredients. Oh, wow. And, you know, I know you know what they all are, but, you know, just bags of salad, whole tooth or whatever for bags of salad and tomatoes and all of that wasted food and wasted plastic packaging. So I think that's a great way. Look in the bins, reward yourself perhaps with the money you've saved make the fridge and freezer work for you so that you're not scared mm. of things from the freezer. You're not scared to look at the back of the fridge yes. the and make it fun. Make a fruit bowl bake, you know, clear the fridge bowl with with a lovely cake, make something delicious, yeah. best way. Reward with positive behavior, like reward yourself. That's what I do. Pat yeah. myself on the back when I haven't wasted that week because it is difficult, especially when we are going back to this new normal or this this new whatever. We don't know when we're coming or going. Mm people are very busy. We're all trying to keep our jobs and and food does get wasted if we're not careful.
0: Yeah. I love that tip about getting everybody involved in the meal plan, because I mean, meal planning is a massive part of reducing food waste, but you know, I think the, the parents amongst us, not a week goes past where you've you you know you've gone, oh God, what are we going to have for tea? Made some tea, just, you know, it's something that's vaguely edible and then the kids go, don't like that. Well, you liked it last week. Whereas <laughs> maybe if, and it doesn't have to take an hour pouring over recipe books, does it? It could just be like, guys, you know, it's your choice on Monday. It's your choice on Wednesday. Like, um, or we've got this to use up. What do you want to do? So at least you don't get the kind of, I don't like risotto. You've always eaten risotto. Yeah, so many great tips in that Mm. thank you and melissa you mentioned the sort of buy less buy better and in terms of um, you know we can maybe make some savings for food waste and that will contribute towards if we are wanting to make some organic swaps and things and then one of the key messages we keep getting told around eating sustainably is to eat less meat and dairy how do you guys kind of marry up that i guess that sort of buy less buy better approach to obviously your bottom line depends on people buying your product like how do you
1: yeah well uh, well, we're lucky though uh, but and so uh, you know i'm not running a typical business i suppose because we were built on that premise of kind of flexitarianism and the the notion that people would be moving to or at least we wanted to kind of endorse people that were moving towards a um a a diet that didn't absolutely major on meat and two Mm. veg every day so nobody would expect a guy making his living out of selling beef and uh, and milk um to turn around and say actually i think it's really important that people take their protein from a range of sources mm-hmm. meat and fish and nuts and 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 then you know combine it bulk it up with other vegetables pulses you know make it go further yeah but also i think i'm kind of touching on What Melissa was saying as well about the kind of the cost of everything and the expense of it. You know, you don't have to come to Coombe Farm Organic or Dalesford or any other retailer of food and buy ribeye steak every day. Yeah. You can can buy a a whole chicken and stretch it for four meals. You can try shin. You can buy a leg of lamb and take your bones and make a bone broth. There is always something you can do to make to draw something out a little bit. So From our end, you know, we have a number of animals that we need to sell every year in order to, and we know what that is, we've defined it because Mm -hmm. that's the amount of animals that we've got on the ground. We do everything we can to sell that to as many people as possible. You know, if four people bought them all or hopefully, you know, 400,000 bought Mm -hmm. them all, they'd still get bought um, from our end. But what we want is for more people to Share that experience with us and make their food stretch out and last longer, and and to really enjoy it and combine it with other ingredients that they've looked to source. And can I add? I'm really sorry to jump in on the question that Melissa just uh, answered, but the other thing for me about tips that people can have in terms of embarking on this kind of organic journey mm. is look at the suppliers and look at what they're doing and read their blogs and read their journals and have a look at their social media posts Mm -hmm. if you get the time to because you will pick up so much information from the source and that can be from you know a cardo a a supermarket it could be from dalesford that you know the the Mm -hmm. guys on the ground that are digging up the. i think a really really important thing within this is to take tips from the people that are producing or bringing the food to you because they are totally in tune with what consumers are looking for at the moment Mm -hmm. when it comes to sustainable organic produce Yeah. I don't think there's anybody out there at the moment trying to dupe people into buying organic produce, uh, you know, at an inflated rate. People mm. are selling it because they care about it. 100%. I'm yeah. certain of that. Yeah. Sorry.
0: Sorry. No, no, no. I absolutely love it. Tim, have you got anything to, um, sort of coming on that in around the sort of, I guess, um, yeah, it, it I, ties in with <laughs> the whole, you know, eating sustainably on a budget as well. Do you know, like, um, the the, the buy less buy better thing and the the stretching out your meat and all that like it all does kind of tie in as well doesn't it
2: absolutely absolutely um 100% agree with both Ben and Melissa I think uh I'll just add that Melissa is a great role model for this sort of movement and you need role models you need people that can make it fun Mm. and exciting um you know we've got a cookery school here and the guys there are really exciting getting people Mm. engaged and interested to, to expand their sort of uh, cooking sort of uh, horizons and of course as Ben says it, inspiring from the ground up as well literally from the soil we've got a market garden behind me here of 30 acres of um, with, with seven guys working it through the winter through the summer they are so in tune with what's in season what's available what's cheap it's mm. in season it's probably going to be cheaper mm. um, and then the black barn uh, which is where we produce all our, our real meals and cagines and bolognese sauces and curries and so on and also our soups and broths they are taking uh, exactly as ben says making our carcasses stretch because we have beef sheep chicken venison here uh, and dairy and, and egg layers as well and they are really sort of sweating those carcasses making sure that nothing is wasted mm. nothing is sold for less than it's worth and it's valuing the whole carcass that's so important mm-hmm. so at the end of boning out a chicken, the chicken carcass ends up in that black barn, is, uh, is boiled overnight, produces a wonderful broth, and actually that happens to be our best seller.
0: Oh, wow, really? <laughs> so, you know,
2: arguably, we're getting yeah. more value from the waste than we are from the real thing, from the so called yep. real thing. Um, and so it, it's just thinking outside our, our usual uh, yeah. routine of um, fish fingers on a Friday, and sausages <laughs> on a Tuesday, and um, steak night Saturday, or whatever it is. And and I actually think one of the silver linings of of COVID, I think Melissa or someone mentioned it earlier, is that we've we've had this opportunity as a family or mm. um, uh, or, or a bit more time because we're not madly rushing around in cars or, or trains or to get to work to think about our fridge its contents, our shopping basket mm. because we're not sure what we're going to get next. Yeah, uh, stocking up with some pulses in the larder because we know they're going to store a little longer or, yes you know sorting out the freezer using that chicken drumsticks at the back that have been mm. there a little on the edge of too long um but it's that's been a really good opportunity for people to buy stuff try yes. new things and uh um and, and making sure that we eat everything out waste nothing and mm.
0: that food waste message is such an important one and i think and i think it's something in the in the sort of climate crisis and when we talk about um sustainable eating the the message we're consistently hearing is you know plant-based and and yes we do all need to move towards a more plant-based diet but i think we really forget about that food waste thing which is something we can all i think 50 percent of food waste occurs in the home like that's huge we could that's something we can all really easily do something about um, and have an impact but in terms of shopping again like you know in an ideal world I was gonna say maybe it was different during COVID because we had more time, but it wasn't because all the shops were shut. But like you know, we'd we'd support our local greengrocers, we'd support our local butchers, we'd um, you know make lots of different trips to different things. But the reality for most of us is you know an online shop or sort of herring it around the supermarket before the school run or whatever. So what are the kind of the labels we should be looking out for? Are there easy ways to tell if things are in season? Like, how do we know if something's been air freighted? Like, lots of questions. Uh, Nobody in particular. I don't know if anybody wants to um, sort of... Melissa, have you got anything around shopping sustainably? Well, I would say I want to just
3: flag up the seasons part because Mm. I'm someone that uh, I remember in my first food job when I was about 22, the head chef said... Um, the head chef was like, uh, "I'm in bed, but you need to receive the asparagus delivery because the asparagus are coming. The asparagus are coming." And I was like, "I don't know what is going on. Why is he so excited?" I hadn't realised up until that point in my sheltered, you know, Surrey life, really, w- which I thought was countryside growing up, and clearly isn't. Surbiton is not the countryside. <laughs> um, I didn't really realise about asparagus. I knew about tomatoes. I knew about squash. I knew that 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 bookend of the years, but didn't know and it's made me fall even more in love with cooking. Mm. I find it restrictive. And I think this is the other thing that we, we're sort of saying is no one's talking about taking anything away from you. We're actually yes. talking about opening up more options and more yes. things to fall in love with. And seasonal cooking lets me appreciate the different seasons even more. Mm. So, I'm thinking now about ways I can talk more about just your bog standard butternut squash and and pumpkin because there are so many different varieties of squash we can get into and Mm. mushrooms and so on. Um, So that's what I try and do. And I know lots of of people and chefs like me do that. But interestingly, in my last book, every time I've done a book, I have started to do a season's guide. And at the Mm. last minute, as you know, Jen, publishers go, you've got to cut that. There's no (laughs) space for that. And every time they've man- we've managed to cut the seasons guide, and Guy Singh Watson wrote the forward for my book, and and I had um, Hugh Fanny Whittingstall, write for it, and Sky Gingle, and I was like, I can't have. These brilliant people writing about my book and not include something that is so incredibly important. This season's Mm. guide. I fought with my lovely publishers in the best possible way to have it in. And even Guy said, "Me and the farmers are fighting over your seasons guide. We can't agree on all of it." Oh yeah, (laughs) of course. But we try to do early winter, late winter. Mm. It was very general, and. Of everything I did in that book, with the 100 recipes and all my research, the thing that people message me most about is the season's guide. They were taking pictures of it on their phone. Mm. Shopping. They screenshot it, printed it out next yeah. to their off at work to do their online shopping. They said, finally, I can practically understand what everybody means when everyone goes,
0: buy local, buy seasonal, buy seasonal. Because there's no way, in the mm-hmm. supermarket, there is no way of knowing what's in make season. It easy. No. <laughs> no. No. And, and I mean, that's one of the reasons I love getting my veg box I don't even have to think about it if it's not in season like it won't be in there so it means that I can be really lazy and just don't have to worry about it particularly and like my kids hate me because I'm I will not let them you know have strawberries in the middle of winter or anything like that but so having that having some kind of seasons guide that we can refer yeah. to to, to your use fire, when our you get on
3: your desktop on your laptop whatever mm-hmm. you need to, to every time you shop keep it in mind
0: yeah. And we've talked, we talked a little bit um, in the Organic 101 podcast about um, certification and things. Are there are there different ones we should look out for in terms of um, meat and livestock or is it the same sort of soil association and organic branding then?
1: Look for that lovely little round symbol with the soil association written in it and I don't think you can go far wrong. I would also really look at flags. It really annoys me, flags on food, you know, like where it was packed, where it came via, right. where it was reared, like just i wish manufacturers of food would be so much more clear. you know Mm. you can you can have a chicken that's got a union jack on it which was not reared in the uk it was just put in a bag here and things like that that's right
0: isn't that the the legal requirement that that if it's been uh, processed in the uk it can have a a uk flag on it and that's really really misleading isn't it
1: it's so misleading because you look at your food and you think there's a union jack i want to buy local super Mm. duper so when you're looking at your food and you want to know if it's been air freighted or you want to know what, you know, check the origin mm. and then check it again. And I think that's a really good way to go as well. And then you can really rest assured that you're buying locally if that's something that's important to you.
0: Yeah. And you have a, quite, did you say online, we <clears throat> can buy Dalesford online, Tim. And um, have you found that there's been a, an increase in demand and traffic mm. and all that kind of thing for, for organic? Has that changed over lockdown or how has that been for you
2: it's been extraordinary we had no let up as I'm sure Ben as well <laughs> found um yep. it yep. was it was very very busy we sell to Ocado as well oh, um, wow. and uh you know it was extraordinarily busy um and we we really ramped up our online offering here, here at Dalesford as well so um but even the stores we I suppose, just like organic, um, the nature of organic is diversity, you know, diverse crop rotations, diverse environment and, and welfare and, and so on. The business here is very diverse in that we've got cafe and, uh, and retail. Uh, and sadly, we had to close our cafes for a period, but uh, we were able to redistribute some of our team to other parts of the business which were ramping up. So, um, yes, our, our, our real meals that uh, were selling very well before, suddenly sold even better and we had Mm -hmm. um, our executive chef from the kitchens down in uh, our black barns cooking um, even more bone broths and so on (laughs) so um, it was very very difficult I'm I'm not going to try and gloss it up too much and the guys have been phenomenal but uh, you know we were direct delivering in London as well because uh, you know I had a panic call from my brother who lives in London I can't get any food anywhere and it's like have you tried the job I work for, <laughs> and um, <laughs> sure enough, you know, <laughs> um, he was able to get himself out of the spot of bother. These butchers and bakers and, um, and retailers have really done, uh, gone above and beyond through this time, as, as have the farmers, the guys that uh, have continued to do it. Um, I've got to, you know, I could ramble on about this all the time, but you know, we were going through lambing when lockdown first oh, wow, started. Yeah. And mm-hmm. can you imagine if we had an outbreak in our lambing 1200 sheep in our in our lambing sheds um and the shepherds went down you know every shepherd in the country was mm. lambing in, in march and april um mm-hmm. and so you know those guys basically just completely isolated locked themselves wow. away we had to have such strict fire security so that in the interest of the welfare of the animals that they were going to be milked every day or yeah, they were yeah. going to be lambed or carved the eggs collected and, and chickens fed and so on so um it it was it was very tricky but um Yes, they, the team has done a, a phenomenal job to push on through and, and we're building our online presence as well, uh, which will hopefully uh, be able to steer people as, as uh, Melissa and Ben have said, you know, if you know your, where your food's coming from, you explore and you ask those questions um, and you, you refer to a, a seasonal guide, well, hopefully, you know, Dalesford will be able to uh, assist you with that. We have, we have lots of information on the website. Brilliant. Um, and in Cardo, we have a, a shop within a farm shop experience within the Ocado website.
0: You mentioned packaging, Tim, and and I think Melissa mentioned that you guys have started a refill programme. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yes, well, I mean, that was to avoid packaging and to a degree food waste as well, because you know, sometimes we end up getting I some the recipe says, get some ground almonds or something, and mm-hmm. you use, you use fifty grams and you ended up with seven hundred fifty grams you don't use for four years or something. <laughs> and so uh, sometimes people just want a little bit of something mm. and, uh, and measuring out um, your own portion is is a good way to avoid food waste, um, you know just as you might only want two apples, not a whole yeah. bag, of cellophane wrapped six apples. So we went with that, and also um, the scheme to incentivize bringing your own um, uh, coffee cups and, and off the deli counter your own mm. plates and so on it's it's great to see lots of retailers doing that now, and it 's mm. been proving very popular and it just it's the next step but you know organic is a challenging space in supermarkets you know we avoid plastic wherever we can, sometimes it provides that barrier which makes it more effective than other materials mm-hmm. i don't want to uh, get into a great big battle about compostable packaging right now because yeah. uh, it's a, a very complicated argument and uh, with the recycling and, and yes, collection yeah. services we have at the moment can do more harm than good but you know wherever possible we've got rid of plastic and but in supermarkets you can end up having a bit of a dilemma when you mm. go and all the organic food is wrapped in cellophane um you know your peppers and your, your leicesters and so on it's simply so you've got segregation. It doesn't get mixed up in the, in the back of house or in the, in the store shelves. It's unfortunate that we have that, but I've taken it up with the Soil Association called it countless times, and it's a very hard system challenge that the organic sector has to try mm. and take that packaging out. But unfortunately, it's a, an evil that we shall have to put up with for the moment until mm. um, smart tagging of an individual occurs yeah. or you know, technology catches up. Ultimately, if you can get your box scheme to deliver to your door and, mm. and uh, um, you can do away with that or you can collect it direct from a grocer um, or, or around the corner from your home, that's the ideal. Mm. But like, again, it's not about getting too hung up on every little yes. detail. If you can just make small nudges and improvements, yes. bring your own coffee cups, bring your own containers to get your ground almonds or your cereal, yeah um that's that's all good progress
0: I think that's one of the big frustrations I hear from people is that they're like I I really want to buy organic but I'm also really trying to cut down on plastic and then I go and take my own bags to fill up my loose fruit and veg and there's no organic offering and and so d- to a certain extent at the moment it feels like a little bit you can have either or you can't have you know unless you can get a veg box and and those sorts of things but again and and I've said this several times throughout this little mini series like it doesn't have to be all or nothing so if you know if you are if a, if a veg box feels like a bit of a step up in terms of expense can you do one once a month do you know like um can you mm-hmm. substitute in again for organic September Ben, you know a couple of items this week in your shopping trolley can you make them organic Mm -hmm. and so that we it isn't this kind of big shock to the system and this or shock to your wallet or whatever and in terms of packaging for meat Ben, how does that must be a real difficulty is it with plastic well you
1: because uh, you know we're dealing with Soil Association on one arm, and we're dealing with the food standards agency yes, yeah. on the other. And you know, they don't meet. You know, we absolutely accept that our meat has to go into vac packs. Mm. Where the best we can do is find backpacks that you can wash and are curbside recyclable.
3: Right. Um, and
1: so that has been our quest. Um, we put our produce into cardboard boxes. We insulate using paper, recycled paper pulp. Oh, um, instead of polystyrene yeah. um, it used to be that we would use wool and wool cool who are another great supplier in the uk they use british wool to yeah um, to make their insulation it's a, a really good product but we found it was reusable and not recyclable and actually re- recyclable for us felt a lot more reasonable to ask our customers right um, to do so we have made at coon farm organic every effort to reduce the amount of packaging that lands on someone's doorstep and to make sure that it is curbside recyclable but ultimately you are dealing with perishable Mm. produce which is meat and um and therefore you know you have to apply an amount of derile horrid word care to that product yeah um so that it gets to people in the order that they would expect it to get to them in and um you know that's the nature of what we're doing at the moment but we are always looking for packaging solutions that will Mm. allow us to to do that more efficiently or uh, you know more sustainably
0: yeah definitely melissa any top tips for plastic free shopping from you oh yeah you
3: know what i would say is check out if you're not already i think as far as all sustainability tips go the best way to work out what's recyclable or what you can um upgrade swap you can make to your sustainable kitchen is to You know, good old Facebook community groups Mm. are in at that. They're also excellent if you're thinking of upgrading anything in your home because you can swap things, you know, within your community, which is the best way to do things. Also, do you know what, just to say as well, packaging-wise... Someone is always moving house. Yes. You'll always be able to give your boxes another life because someone will always Mm -hmm. be moving house, especially in East London where I am, where there's a max exodus to you guys in the country. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Um,
3: But uh, yeah, I think working out in your community. I know, for example, I'm in East London. My um, local news agent, some good news, my local news agent who has a refill section, is now turning himself into more of a refill shop with a bit of news agency as opposed to, way around so that's brilliant so he will be getting all of my business there's also i can't remember their name two wonderful ladies this is just north london as an example who have converted a little caravan into a refill yeah come wherever you are and you team up with your neighbors and they'll come to you so that's great if you've got something like that near mm. you but you may have like I had a news agent that was trialing it out to see what people thought so I think that's really important to go and support them yep yeah, I, as, as I said I get my veg box and have done from Riverford for 10 years same as you I love knowing what's coming I love seeing the uh, leaps and bounds they've made when it comes to their packaging I love mm. when things aren't working which I think is great I think brands that hold their hands up and go well yeah. that worked it it, but we tried so this is what we're going to do next or you've yes. told us that you are happy to have a little bit of plastic with your salad because it means that your salad doesn't get bashed which means mm. you eat more as opposed to when we don't deliver your salad in plastic and then you don't eat it because it yeah. gets bashed and then you don't. Sharing ingredients if you're trying new things with a neighbor or a colleague is also a great way of trialing things out mm-hmm. and keeping every jar. Again if you <laughs> can't get through all your jars Take clean your jars take them to your refill shop also charity shops love jars yeah um, and give them another lease of life in that way so there's always a way you can do it and I just want to also shout out Olio the food waste mm, I was just about to mention them yeah yeah because not only are they UK wide they're also global now which is brilliant and you know I know over a lockdown you could share toilet paper for those that went, <laughs> went went a little bit too far and got too much toilet paper and realized that they actually could share it with other people so Mm. anything can be swapped but again being an army kid we were taught that every bit of packaging can have a new life so i think that's important as well but but again i know lots of coffee shops and places stopped said that we're not going to allow you to use your reusables and that's all of course change and everyone feels Mm -hmm. a lot safer in that way so i think not being disheartened when you try to do something good and, and that shop won't accept it just gently again remembering that every business is trying to keep their head above gently always Mm -hmm. to keep something in your bag and saying would it be too much trouble if i reuse this or Mm. that i think it's just having a sense of humor about things as well i'm I'm the biggest fan of going sorry sorry to if there's a cue sorry if this takes a little bit longer but i'm trying my best to and actually it's a great way to get you know that positive infectiousness influence someone in Mm -hmm. the who maybe has also been thinking about doing it but didn't want to make a video? Yeah, did not going to be that person.
0: Right. <laughs> Um, I mean, the coffee thing, um, I don't know if you guys have seen City to Sea, um, a Bristol-based charity, and they're doing this contactless coffee scheme. Um, so they've got this done this brilliant video that shows somebody going into a coffee shop, putting their reusable mug on the thing, the barista takes it and 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 can, can deliver them their coffee without them both having to have touched the same thing, basically. So um, that can be a really nice, if you have got, you know, we're all trying to support our local independents and things. So maybe just sending them a Facebook message or something and saying, you know, have you guys seen this scheme? and would you be happy to do it if I bought my reusable cup in and things like that so that can be sort of a nice way to do it as well yeah really fascinating talking to you guys thank you I'm gonna ask you all for one top tip around eating sustainably I feel like we've already covered so many so it doesn't have to be an original one but let's just reinforce some some points you've already made baby Um, Tim do you want to go first Everybody's got to say organic because, you know, it's yeah, Organic yeah. September. So that's mean, organic, organic covers off.
2: <laughs> just we haven't actually said what, or, you know, for me, organic means, you know, better for wildlife, more nutritious, tastes better, better environment, more resilient. Um, uh, you know, all those things, uh, less pesticides, no GM, we haven't touched on GM, all these things. Um, so, yes, if you to help just find the organic logo. To take that a step further maybe try and shake the hand of the person that's grown or produced your food
0: wow um
2: i think uh generally um, no
0: elbow think, bump like, come on oh, yeah. oh yes
2: <laughs> virtual <laughs> uh, yeah of the hand um just try and connect more to to where that food has come from uh, not on everything but just to try and build that familiarity that's the sort of next step once you've once you've sought out the organic logo
0: Mm, brilliant thank you Melissa how about you I'm going to
3: say make doing the right things sustainable in the sense of getting the whole household involved so do the meal plan let everybody have a democratic vote in what you're eating and take 20 minutes this week to spring clean your fridge Mm. and put that note that says eat me first in there make your kitchen a place you want to be in a place where you want to waste less and do better. I think mm. make, make the kitchen fun again, because we've probably all got a bit sick of our kitchen.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That um, eat me first thing. I, it was one of the, because we're recording this at the end of Zero Waste Week. And it was one of the, the tips that they put out on day one. And I shared it on my social media and people were like, absolutely going mental for it. They were like, that's so, that, it's just genius, isn't it? But you wouldn't even mm-hmm. kind of, think of it so um absolutely love that one and I slightly um you said about you know make it a a democratic process yeah my kids have rejected I wanted to have this benign dictatorship where I'm like you just do as I say because it's the best thing to do Uh um Ben how about you it's always worse when you go last well uh
1: you know we've talked about lots of different things so I'm going to pump for something completely different and I'm going to say try and find some different products some hero products that sit in that sector within a kind of sustainable organic sector so i can think of jan maddox and her edible flowers her organic Mm -hmm. edible flowers you know have a look at something different and see how you can be inspired by it or if you're coming to coon farm organic you know a different product that we have is our retired dairy beef so we have cows heifers that spend their lovely organic life being grass-fed and providing organic milk which is a much nicer kind of system to go through versus conventional and then at the end of their milking life we don't send them off into the um a distance we uh, we retire them out into the fields and we let oh. them fatten up in the pasture and enjoy their later years before they um then are taken to the abattoir as part of our beef herd. And oh, okay. um, and because they're older animals, they have a lot more lovely kind of intermuscular fat that right. renders down when you're cooking and is absolutely sensational. A little bit tougher, but a really mm-hmm. lovely eat. And it's a different product and it allows you to kind of look at the things that are being done. You know, whilst it's great that organic has an alternative for a conventional product there are some organic products out there that are all a little bit different and a little bit unsung so yeah. perhaps go and go and have a look at what the organic industry is doing that is a little bit niche and a little bit wacky and you might find something that inspires you
0: and have you got th- you know like recipes for um, your retired yes. cows as you say? That's a slightly yes. different. Yeah. Um,
1: so re- retired dairy used. beef is a um, a completely different section on the website from oh, okay. our standard beef. And um and there's a really cool video on YouTube with a guy called John Quilter who is also, his alias is Food Busker. He came and he cooked some retired dairy beef and compared it to Wagyu beef that he bought in Harrods
0: oh wow
3: Um,
1: and and it was a really interesting because it was a a tougher bite but the kind of the fat content was similar and um, it was a really interesting video so if you go onto YouTube and put in dairy cow food busker you'll find a really interesting video which I think um, is fascinating and again might inspire you to try something different
0: brilliant the only thing I'm going to add and and I'm i would love to pretend it was my own idea but um lee mentioned it in the organic 101 podcast was about uh, growing your own and how actually Mm. that gives you so much appreciation of the work that goes into to vegetable growing and uh, the more kind of acceptance maybe of sort of slightly wonky veg and veg that isn't completely perfect and things and and again we melissa was talking about the sort of mindfulness and the mental health aspects it that kind of ties all that in as well doesn't it so um that can be a little bit of, everybody can grow a little bit of, of something, whether it's some herbs or whatever, and help the bees and things at the same time. So um, brilliant. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for all your expertise and for putting up with my very vague, very... <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> um, unfair questions, a lot of them, but you've been absolutely brilliant and real um, sort of champions flying the organic flag there. So thank you so much for your time. You've been superstars. Thank you.
2: Thank you very much, Jen. A pleasure. Yeah, absolutely,
0: thanks You've been listening to Sustainable-ish You Wonderful Sack of Loveliness with me, Jen Gale Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small. Every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review, and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is, and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time.